0: Great stuff. Well, we're partway through our series looking at each other's lives and the lives of every believer. Uh, We'll see them up on the screen. Johnny, just throw them up for us. These uh, nine characteristics of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. And we've been coming back to this passage over the last three weeks in Galatians chapter uh, 2, chapter 5, verse uh, 22 and 23. And it might feel like it's been a long time waiting, but next week we'll finally spend some time actually just sitting in that passage. We're going to take three weeks just really mulling over and contemplating and studying these nine characteristics of godliness. But before we get there, we want to just take a step back. The last couple of weeks, we've been just coming a few paces back and uh, really looking at the context within which the fruit of the Spirit sit. Two weeks ago, that's where we started. We saw the context of Uh, these glorious fruits, is the kingdom of God. That's the place where God's people bear this fruit. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we saw there are two kingdoms. There are only one of these kingdoms that we live in. Either we live in the kingdom of darkness, which has been ruled over by Satan, or we live in the kingdom of God, a kingdom of light, a kingdom of life. And that is the place where we see this glorious fruit being manifest, in the kingdom of God. That's the context of the fruit, last week we saw the means by which we grow in the fruit and the means being following the Spirit. We spent a little bit of time in Galatians 5 seeing that God's people have been freed. Remember Galatians 5, one it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And we haven't just been set free, like if you think of the Israelites as they came out of Egypt in slavery, we haven't just been set free just to be free, we've been set free to follow, to follow the Spirit. That's how we see the the fruit of the Spirit being manifest in our lives as we follow him. We've seen the context. We've seen the means. And this week we are going to see the beautiful purpose of the fruit of the Spirit. The beautiful purpose. And we're going to just spend a bit of time in John chapter 15. So if you've got your Bible, turn there with me, John chapter 15. I'm going to read for us. Verses 1 to 8. And as we just spend a bit of time in John 15 this afternoon. We're going to see really that this is, this is God's purpose. As he bears the fruit of his son in our lives by the power of his spirit. His purpose is to be glorified. His purpose is for him to be glorified in the lives of his people. As we manifest this glorious fruit. So let me read John 15, verses 1 to 8. This is Jesus speaking. He's teaching his disciples. And this is what he says. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may be more fruitful. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Let me just pray for us again. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for these truths. Thank you that it is true. Thank you for all that we've sung and we've declared and we've confessed to one another and the praises that we have lifted to you. The things that we have sung, they are truths that, that you've shown us through your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that we know him. Thank you that we know these words that we read now. They're not just words on the page. These words are living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you that we can be confident that through them you are going to change us and transform us. As Holy Spirit, we ask that you would, and as you do, that you would glorify the Father. So change as we pray. Help us to be more and to be conformed more into the image of our glorious Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we ask. Amen. There was once a farmer who owned a vineyard. And this farmer planted his vines on on a hillside. And this hillside was a fertile hillside. It was a a place with good nutrients and good drainage. It caught just the right sunlight from the sun and and was positioned uh, topographically, geographically, just in the right place to catch just enough rain. It was the ideal place for growing. The farmer went out and he prepared the ground, he turned over, he, he removed all of the big stones and all of the big boulders so that, so that the, the roots of the vines would be able to grow straight and grow strong. And then he planted the vineyard with the best of vines, no expense spent. The vineyard was planted, and then around the vineyard he planted a hedge so that no animals could come in and eat and graze on these new vines. And then outside of the hedge, he built a wall so that intruders couldn't come in and and steal the, the good fruit that he was expecting to grow. And then in the middle of the vineyard, he grew a tower, a watchtower, so he could climb up and watch his vineyard grow. And then he built infrastructure to help him make good wine. He dug a big vat into the ground so he could store his grapes The vines were planted, the hedge was in place, the the wall was in place, the infrastructure was ready for the best, the choicest of wines. And so he sat back and waited and watched. And the vineyard began to grow. And everything looked great from the watchtower. But as he got amongst the vines and he inspected the fruit, he saw that the fruit wasn't what he expected at all. It was the perfect environment for good fruit to grow. But the grapes that were grown in his vineyard were wild. They were bitter. And they were no good for wine. And so the farmer took action. He removed the hedge so the animals could come in and graze. On the vines he he brought the wall down to the ground so intruders could come in and gain access. He withdrew his hand from the vineyard, no longer tending to it, no longer pruning it, no longer turning the soil and watering it. He withdrew his hands and over time thorns and thistles began to grow and the vines withered in the drought and all that was left in the vineyard was stumps. The prophet Isaiah tells that story to the nation of Israel back in Isaiah chapter 5. Hundreds of years before, Jesus sits down and has this conversation with his disciples in John 15. Isaiah is speaking to Israel. This, This nation was God's chosen people. And they were given everything from God to grow and to flourish and to bear good fruit. But instead, God's people chose sin. Instead of holiness. They worshipped idols instead of worshipping the one true God. And God comes to his prophet Isaiah and says, tell my people this story. And so Isaiah comes before them and he tells them the story of the unfruitful vineyard. And the people of Israel listen. And then Isaiah says to them, this is you. The unfruitful vineyard is you. God has given you everything that you needed to flourish and to grow. He has had his hand over you. He has provided for you. He has created the best environment for you to follow him and be fruitful. And yet you have rebelled against him and chosen sin instead of faithfulness. And just like he did with the vineyard, God is going to remove his hand. And he's going to deal with you. He's going to punish you. And sure enough, that is what God does. God's people are sent into exile. They're ruled by a foreign empire in Babylon. And hundreds of years later, Jesus is sitting down, having this conversation with his disciples. And almost certainly he has this picture of the unfruitful vineyard in his mind. If you've ever put John's gospel against Isaiah, you'll see there's so much crossover between these two books. So much of Isaiah finds itself into John's gospel. Jesus quotes so much of Isaiah and almost certainly as as his disciples are listening in to him teach, Jesus has in mind the unfruitful vineyard. Listen again in verse 6 of chapter 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. So here's what we're going to see this afternoon, folks. Bearing the fruit of the Spirit, this this growth of godliness in the Christian life. It brings about a glorious beauty. That's what we're going to see. The fruit of the Spirit brings about a glorious beauty in the lives of God's people. And we're not talking about a physical beauty here. We're talking about something much deeper, much more profound than physical beauty. When we bear the fruit of the Spirit, we are bearing a beauty that lasts. A beauty that that grows and has eternal worth. And as God's people, that should excite us. That we get to do that. That we get to bear a beauty that is truly glorious. But before anything, folks... We need to recognize that on our own, we have no hope, no chance of creating that type of beauty. In fact, on our own, we are in a hopeless state. We are just like rebellious Israel that Isaiah is speaking to. We find ourselves, if we are outside of God, amongst the thorns and the thistles, producing wild fruit that cannot please God. On our own, we are destined for eternal judgment because of our rebellion to God. And that is the life that we deserve. The picture of the unfruitful vineyard, it is a bleak picture. It is accurate and it is a devastating picture of our life outside of God. But Isaiah's picture doesn't end there. Just a few chapters on from Isaiah chapter five in Isaiah chapter 11, we read this. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his root shall bear fruit and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon it, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. In the midst of rebellion, This picture of the unfruitful vineyard, this picture of devastation where there are just stumps, this bleak picture of darkness, of the judgment of God. In the midst of it all, Isaiah looks ahead with prophetic eyes and sees a shoot of life, a spark of hope. And the shoot that he sees growing up, this shoot is pure, it is righteous. This shoot has the spirit of God resting on it. The shoot delights in God and hates what is evil. And Isaiah sees that this shoot bears fruit. And back in John 15, you can imagine Jesus as he's teaching his disciples. Trying to get the disciples to see, you know that picture that Isaiah talked of hundreds of years ago. That shoot in the midst of rebellion, that shoot in the midst of God's unfaithful people, that shoot in the midst of darkness and death and impending judgments. Remember that shoot that Isaiah talked of? It's me. I am the vine. I am the true vine. That's what he says in verse one. The spiritual outlook for humanity and rebellion to God looks bleak, folks. We're in the midst of what looks like devastation and death hope springs up. And sure enough, it's not just a metaphor that the, the, the Isaiah is drawn here. This is a spiritual reality. Jesus comes and steps into human existence. He steps into the devastation and darkness of humanity. And as he steps into our world, hope enters our darkness. And the invitation from Jesus... As he comes and lives the perfect life and as he lives a cruel death and as he rises again from the grave, the hope from Jesus, as he, as he brings eternal life to his people and pours his spirit into us, the invitation from Jesus as we read in chapter 15 is, come and join me. Come and join me. Come out of the kingdom of darkness, that kingdom of thorns and thistles, and come into the kingdom of God where you will bear the most beautiful of fruit. The invitation from Jesus is come and join me. He says it like this abide in me. See it in verse 4. Abide in me. Literally, he's saying, be fixed to me. Stay in me. Like a branch is fixed to a vine. Stay fixed to me. Jesus is using the picture of the vine and the branches to describe a deep theological truth that makes all of the difference to the believer. He is talking about our union with Christ, our spiritual connectedness to God through Christ, our inness with Christ. We sung it already this afternoon. Union in Christ folks just just changes absolutely everything in the Christian's life. Being a Christian isn't about ticking a box on a census. It's not about turning up here on a Sunday. Being a Christian is literally being connected to God through Jesus Christ. Not theoretically, not metaphorically, but literally being united to God. God's word says we are united to God through the death of Jesus Christ. His death to sin was our death to sin. We are united to God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. His resurrection was the forerunner for our resurrection. But it isn't just a past work and a future work to come. We are united to God through Jesus Christ right now. As his spirit dwells in us, we are united to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. As we're united to him, just like a branch is united to its vine, we get to draw up all of the goodness that is within him. See, folks, there is a profound beauty that flows from our union with Christ. That is the only way that we will bear the type of glorious beauty that we're thinking of when we look at the fruit of the Spirit. It's only if we're united with Christ that we can do that. We have a, a little thing with um, our two children, Ruthie and Micah, that we do. And we've done it since they were able to talk. A little mantra that we have with them. Uh, so I'll turn to, to the kids and I'll say to them, Okay, Ruthie, Micah, two words. First word, and they'll both turn to us and they'll say, stay. Second word, and they'll turn to us and they'll say, close. Stay Close. And they've known that phrase since they were able to talk. And we hope that they will continue knowing that phrase and hearing that phrase until they leave our home and have their own families. Stay close, stay close. And we want them to stay close to us because with mummy and daddy, more than anywhere else in the world, with us, there is safety and there is security and there is truth. And so we want them to stay close to us but it's not just that they have those things we also want them to stay close to us because it is with us that they grow and specifically they grow in the type of people into the type of people that we want them to grow into and in the same way Jesus says to his people abide in me stay close to me and if you do verse 5 you will bear much fruit Stay close to me, and if you do, you will bear much fruit. Like, I love that. Like, I love just those incidental one words that Jesus drops in. He doesn't say, stay close to me, and you will bear fruit. Or stay close to me, and you'll bear a little fruit. No, what does he say? Stay close to me, and you will bear much fruit. That word there actually is multitude. Stay close to me and you will grow. You will bear a multitude of fruit. And that makes sense when we know who the vine is that we're connected to, right? It makes sense that we will bear a multitude of fruit, a host of fruit, when we understand who it is that the Christian is connected to. It makes sense that we will bear a multitude of fruit when we understand that we are fixed to Jesus Christ, who is life itself. It makes sense that we would bear a multitude of fruits when we understand that we are fixed to the source of all that is true. That we are fixed to to Jesus who in every aspect of his being is righteous and wholesome and lovely. It makes sense when we understand that there is no filter of impurity within Jesus. There is no darkness within him that everything he does is pleasing to the Father and worthy of our praise. It makes sense that we would bear a multitude of fruit when we understand that Jesus Christ is radiant in holiness, gleaming with majesty, overflowing with excellence, and he is altogether good. And so it makes sense that if we are connected to him, who is all of those things and infinitely more, we will bear a multitude of fruit. Because there is so much goodness in him to give. Folks, we need to recognise that we can bear nothing of eternal worth outside of Christ. But when we are united to him, he will bear in us the most beautiful of fruit. And as we bear it, we will accomplish the very thing that we were created for. The glory of God. See, the temptation will be when we spend the next three weeks looking at the specific characteristics, these nine characteristics, this fruit of the Spirit, the temptation will be that we'll look at these things. And as we see them, we'll be tempted to think, well, this is about becoming better people. Love, joy, peace, patience. If we can just be more of these things, we'll just be better people. We'll be nicer people. It'll be a nicer world to live in. Lock Lane will we'll, we'll feel a lot better if we're just more and more bearing the fruit of the Spirit because it just makes us better people. no. That's part of it. But the true beauty of the fruit of the spirit goes much deeper. We just got back from a few days in London and uh, a bit of competition going on here. You're going to have to up your game, mate. You've got some competition in the room. And she trumps as well. There we go. And I shouldn't have said that. I can't say that about a young lady. I'm so sorry. We'll edit that out. Uh, in London, we, uh, we visited the Tate, and it was the Tate Modern. Anyone ever been? Tate Modern? Yeah, there we go. So you're going to share my pain in the next uh, few minutes. Actually, no, it was a wonderful experience. It's free for a start, so we can't complain. But there's something interesting in the Tate Modern. Uh, for the most part, and I appreciate I'm uncultured, I'm not trained in art at all, so I might be way out of line here. But for the most part, as you're walking through the Tate Modern, Most of the pieces of art aren't that spectacular. So here's a few of my favourites. We walked into one room and um, there's a picture with a line on it. And that's it. Like It's just someone's drawn a line on a piece of paper. And then next to it, there's a picture with two lines on it. And then short, three, four, five lines. And it's just a room full of pictures with lines on. In fact, it wasn't even drawn by hand, it was drawn on a computer. It's like something ripped out of a book, but, but apparently this is art. Uh, in another room, you have this space maybe twice the size of this room. Now, think of how much real estate in central London costs. But well, they've dedicated a room twice the size of, of here to uh, these big canvases that stretch across the wall. White canvases were just red paint dripped down them. And there's a bench in the middle for you to take it all in and enjoy it. Here's my favourite uh, on, on one wall, quite big, maybe, I don't know, a metre square. A piece of blue perspex. And that's it. Like, it's just a piece of blue perspex. People obviously enjoy this as, oh, maybe I'm missing the point. But as you walk through, I'm, I'm sure maybe nine out of ten pictures or pieces of art that you come across or videos of ants collecting things, whatever it is, they're pretty unspectacular. Well, nestled amongst all of these interesting pieces of art are some truly beautiful pieces. There's a piece of art by Salvador Dali, the Spanish, I don't know what type of artist he was, impressionist? No, Spanish artist. Surrealist. Surrealist, there we go, thanks, Alan. And this, this piece of art is maybe only about this big. And it's not even signposted or, you know, it doesn't have anything special pointing towards it. It's just nestled amongst all these other pieces of art. But it is truly spectacular. Like, I love Salvador Dali. He has just this uh, incredible ability to put his finger on just a point of time and history and culture and to bring it out in his art. This piece of beauty just thrown in amongst pieces of perspex and white paper. Folks, when we witness the fruit of the Spirit in our lives and the lives of our brothers and sisters, we are witnessing something profoundly beautiful, something that makes the Dali look like the blue perspex. It is profoundly beautiful because it accomplishes something of eternal worth. Listen back to Jesus in John 15, verse eight. By this, My Father is glorified. Let you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Bearing the beautiful fruit of the Spirit demonstrates our union with Christ. It proves us to be his disciples. And ultimately, it glorifies God. This is so much bigger and so much more beautiful than just growing into nice people, folks. When we bear the fruit of the spirit, we are bringing about the eternal purpose of God, his glory. We are showing his character to the world as it flows from Jesus and is displayed in (laughs) us. That's what it means to glorify God, to reflect his beauty, to make much of Him. And the more his fruit grows in our lives, the more we will reflect his beauty. And the more we reflect his beauty, the more he is glorified in our lives. And Isaiah, as he's writing hundreds of years before, Jesus sits down here in John 15. Isaiah longs for that day. He longs for the day when God's people will be filled with his spirit. And they will live in such a way that God's glory will be on display for all of the world to see. See, Isaiah doesn't finish in chapter 11 with his prophetic vision of Jesus. In chapter 11, he sees, he sees the shoot springing up in the midst of the unfruitful vineyard. But then he sees this in Isaiah 27, verses 2 and 6. He says, in that day, again, looking forward, in that day, a pleasant vineyard. Sing of it. Like, listen to that in contrast to the unfruitful vineyard. Isaiah sees a day when God sees a vineyard that is pleasant, that he wants to to be sung over. I, the Lord, am its keeper. Every moment I water it, no longer taking his hand of providence away, but pouring all of the goodness, all of the nutrients, all of the spiritual growth that his people need. It is there for them. Would that I had thorns and thistles to battle. They are gone. In the days to come, Jacob shall take root, Israel shall blossom, and put forth shoots, and fill the whole world with fruit. Jacob and Israel, he's talking about God's people here. Isaiah prophetically looks forward to a day when God's people will bear fruit that will fill the whole world. Isaiah 32, verse 15, he goes on, until the spirit is poured upon us... On from high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is deemed a forest. Isaiah looks forward to a day when God's Spirit will be poured out on his people, and they will bear fruit, and that fruit will extend to a field, and that field will extend to a forest. Isaiah 45 verse 8, shower O heavens from above and let the clouds rain down righteousness. Let the earth open that salvation and righteousness may bear fruit. Let the earth cause them both to sprout. When he talks about the rain and the showers from heaven, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Isaiah looks forward to the day when the Spirit of God will be poured on his people. And they will bear fruits that will stretch to every corner of the earth. Isaiah looks forward to God uniting his people, a rebellious people through his righteous son. He sees God pouring his Holy Spirit into his people and the result Isaiah sees is an outbreak, an outbreak of glorious fruitfulness that spreads to every corner of the world. If you're a believer this afternoon, you and the fruit that you are bearing are the fulfilment of promises given thousands of years ago by God. So when next week we get into the details of the actual fruit, when we go through them one by one, as we explore what it looks like to see it in your life, to see it in the lives of others, folks, let, let's not underestimate what we're seeing. As we see the fruit of the Spirit being manifest in our lives, let's not underestimate the significance of what we see. When we see the fruit of the Spirit being manifest, we are glorifying God in ways that the prophets could only dream of. We are witnessing the evidence that the Spirit has been (laughs) poured into our hearts just like Isaiah longed for. We are witnessing the evidence that Christ is working in us, that we are close to him, that he is feeding us, that we are following his spirit. We are seeing that the glory of God is spreading across the world as his people, as you and I bear his fruit. And so here's where I want us to land. When we show a love, when we show a joy, when we show type of peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When we show those Christ-like characteristics. When we bear the fruit of the Spirit. When we bear this fruit in a way that looks like Jesus. Give thanks to God. And celebrate it. Don't let that moment pass by. Don't miss the significance. This is something that, that Isaiah and Ezekiel that we looked at last week. And David. This is something that they would have longed to see. The Spirit of God indwelling his people causing this beautiful fruit to burst forth to the glory of God. So when we see it, give thanks to God and celebrate it. When we see one of our families suffer with joy like Christ, celebrate it. That kind of response that I see in you, that is only possible through the work of the Holy Spirit and I want to celebrate. Husbands, when you see your wife love like Christ, celebrate the, the spirit's work in her the way that you love that person back there that was that was a christ-like love and i want to celebrate that When we see one of our church family demonstrate self-control like christ in the midst of temptation celebrate the spirit's work in them i see the fruit of christ in you and i love it When we see a sister in Christ have a heavenly peace in an anxious situation, celebrate it, give thanks to God for it. When we see a brother in Christ demonstrate a Christ-like gentleness when they are provoked towards anger, celebrate it, give thanks to God for it. When we see the fruit that we're going to explore over the next few weeks, when we see it be manifest in the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ, don't miss the significance of what you are seeing. The fulfilment of a promise given long ago to God's people. The evidence of God's indwelling work within us. And the means of his glory. By this, my father is glorified. That you bear much fruit. Folks, we can bear nothing of eternal worth outside of Christ. Christ. There is a profound beauty that flows from our union with Christ. The glory of God. The very thing that we were created for. And so would it be our joy this week. Our joy to pursue that. And to celebrate it in our lives. And in each other's lives. As we see it being manifest. By this my Father is glorified. You bear much fruit. Mm. Let's pray. Father, we confess that without you we are helpless and we are without hope. We know that the only thing that we can bring to you in and of ourselves, outside of you, is our sin, which rightly deserves judgment. So we thank you for your son. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you fulfilled your promise through him to gather a people to yourself. To make us holy and to make us pleasing to you. We thank you that it is through his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension. That we are united to you. And so all that is true of him and his humanity is true of us. Thank you that we are found in him and he is found in us through the indwelling of your spirit. Thank you that like him, you have anointed us with your spirit. Thank you that we are filled with him and through him, you are doing this beautiful work to glorify yourself as we abide in your son. So where we see that fruit in our lives this week and in the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ, help us to give you thanks and help us to celebrate it. Help us not to miss the significance of what we see as we grow more and more into the likeness of him. Help us to see that your promises are being fulfilled and that you are being glorified. That is our prayer. That's what we ask. And it's in your son's name that we do.